Good morning, Father in heaven. We are coming to you this morning and we are asking for your presence to be among us. God, open our ears, open our eyes, help us to see and hear you and help us to be changed by it. Help us to trust in you, to love you, to hope in you, and to pray to you. Bless us so that we will be a blessing in Jesus' name. Amen. I once descended into a cave in southern Indiana when I was in Boy Scouts. At one point in our short jaunt through the darkness, the guide had us turn off our flashlights and lay in silence. Glorious. Alas, it did not last. One of the boys could not resist the temptation to scream. Now, I have some suspicions about that. Our culture fears silence. Our culture fears solitude. At least one other great thinker agrees with me. He says, all of humanity's problems stem from man's inability to sit quietly in a room alone. Many great thinkers like Pascal, Paul, and Jesus himself used overstatement to make a point. The point in this case is that when silent, we realize the great truth we fight so hard to ignore. We are always alone with Jesus, either as our judge or as our friend. So, when faced with silence, when forced into solitude, we scream. Because unless we have a vibrant, abiding relationship with Jesus, solitude is the last thing we want. Unless we have a close relationship with Jesus, defined by frequent, extended time alone with Him, silence is a scary place to be. There, in the darkness of our hearts, on our lonely bed, there we find all the noise of our fears and covetings and jealousies. Unless we have descended into this dark place with a friend who is able to defeat our friends, defeat our fears, we naturally want to scream. And so we fill our hearts again with the idols we naturally and persistently make. We drink them. We watch them. We smoke them. We do whatever it takes. And all of this avoiding of the solitude and silence makes us doubt the beauty and love and power of our Lord, which is why... When in doubt, pray. Today we're going to examine three very short verses in Mark to notice a theme. 
to notice a significant point Mark makes throughout his gospel. Mark wants us to notice the fact that Jesus, during significant transition points in his life, stopped to pray. For example, Mark 1.35, In rising very early in the morning, while it was still dark, he departed and went out to a desolate place, and there he prayed. Or, for example, Mark 6.46, After he had taken leave of them, he went up on the mountain to pray. And finally, Mark 14.32, And they went to a place called Gethsemane, and he said to his disciples, Sit here while I pray. I'm pausing in my discussion of Jesus' initial miracles. I debated which to do next, to keep with the miracles or to go with this theme of Jesus praying. I decided to go with the theme of prayer in part because I want us to note the significant correspondence between Jesus' prayer and the demonstrations of his power and authority and presence that his miracles provide. We must also note the powerful connection between the solitude and silence Jesus sought while he was turning to his Father in heaven and those expressions of God's power, authority, and presence both in Jesus' life and in our own. We will get next time back to his miracles and why Jesus did those miracles and why Mark recorded them. But today, I want to point out the significant effort Jesus gave to prayer. I want also to point out that if Jesus exerted significant effort to pray, we ought to exert significant effort in doing the same. Someone said, when you trust in your strength, you get what you could do. But when you trust in prayer, you get what God can do. King David agreed in Psalm 20, verse 7, some trust in chariots and some in horses, but we trust in the name of the Lord our God. Part of the reason you and I pray is that Satan, our adversary, fights to keep us from praying. He fights to keep us from trusting in the name of the Lord our God as opposed to our own resources. Why? Why does Satan fight like this? Because he knows that we are strongest when we are on our knees. Another reason that we must be on our knees in prayer is because prayer means humility. Prayer is, by definition, a looking away from our own resources and looking to the only one who can give us life and godliness and everything needed. But we would rather struggle with uncertainty and doubt than admit that we need Jesus. So when in doubt, pray. Let's work through our three verses this morning and see what Mark is communicating to us through Jesus' time alone and silent in prayer. Starting here in verse 135. And rising very early in the morning, while it was still dark, he departed and went out to a desolate place, and there he prayed. 
a great quote along these lines is from one of my favorite missionaries, George Mueller. He said, the first and great The first great and primary business to which I ought to attend every day is to have my soul happy in the Lord. The great and primary business that George Mueller set as his task in the morning was to have his soul happy in the Lord. You may have noticed this is the series of devotions I'm doing on my Facebook Live every day right now. But here in this verse, we see Jesus at the beginning of his ministry. There are many things to do. There are many people to serve. And Jesus asserts by his actions that he recognizes he must pray. Luther famously echoed this sentiment. He said, I have so much to do today that I shall spend the first three hours in prayer. Paul also knew the truth. He asserted, when in pain, for whatever reason, it is in seeking the presence of God that we find our strength. He said, when I am weak, then I am strong. Why, Paul, why are you strong when you're weak? It is because When we recognize we are weak, then, and only then, will we seek the strength we need in the only place that strength can be found. Now, I want to clarify something significant. As we go through these verses this morning, we will see Jesus praying. Now, someone will say, okay, Pastor Greg, that's fine, but Jesus is the Son of God. I can't copy him. But this is exactly what you must not say. 1 John 2.6 says, whoever says he abides in Jesus ought to walk in the same way in which he walked. You are to imitate Jesus in his prayer life because he commands you to. Furthermore, when the Creator God of the universe calls you to obey... And when you obey this call by faith, by trusting his promises to strengthen you, then of course he's going to strengthen you. He will give you what you need so that you can imitate Christ. Jesus will give you to will and to work. He will give you to desire and the perseverance to do his good pleasure. Think about this. If God asks, if you ask God to empower you to do something that you know He wants you to do, if you ask Him to do that, He will enable you to do it. Right? Praise Jesus. So right now and every day, ask God the Father to strengthen you to pray. I get this promise from 1 John 5, 14 and 15. This is the confidence that we have towards him that if we ask anything according to his will, like give me strength to pray, please, Jesus. If we ask anything according to his will, he hears us. And if we know that he hears us in whatever we ask, we know that we have the request that we have asked of him. 
So ask your Father in heaven for the grace. Ask your Father in heaven for the undeserved power to obey his command to pray. Ask God to enable you to pray. Then go about your life planning to pray and praying. He's going to bless you. This, this is exactly what Jesus did early in his ministry. I want to get back to that George Mueller quote. Because it unpacks for us something significant. The first great and primary business to which I ought to attend every day is to have my soul happy in the Lord. Jesus made prayer his great business. Jesus saw prayer to his Father in heaven as a large part of what he had to do. Jesus saw that arranging himself and his life under God as pivotal to his service to others around him. I wonder, might that be true for us as well? Jesus made prayer his primary business. Jesus saw prayer to his Father in heaven as the most important part of what he had to do. Jesus saw that taking time to submit to God was his first duty of each day. I wonder, might that be true for us as well? Notice in 135 that Jesus got up early. Look, there's no excuses. You will do what you really want to do. And you will make excuses that there isn't enough time, energy, money, blah, 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 to do those things that you only pretend you want to do. Jesus left the others. Jesus intentionally sought silence and solitude. Don't be afraid of entering that silence and solitude if Jesus is your friend. Spend time in silence and solitude so you will find it comfortable, even pleasant. Jesus prayed. We can too. And never forget, no one ever learned to pray except by praying. So when in doubt, pray. What might it look like for you and I to make prayer our great and primary business each morning? Well, the old saying applies, plan your work, then work your plan. Determine ahead of time when you can pray. Then get up early enough to do it. As I've said many times, Christianity is simple. But Christianity is not easy. Some will say to that, oh, but that's legalism. But my friends, it cannot be legalism to obey Jesus. It can be legalism. It may be legalism if we try to force our way of obedience on someone else. It may be legalism if we seek to grit our teeth and do it in our own power. But obedience by grace through faith to the commands of God is sanity. It is living in this world as this world really is. Remember, grace is contrary to earning. Grace is contrary to you putting God in your debt. But grace is not contrary to effort. In fact, grace is the undeserved power of God to accomplish prayer. To accomplish 
hauling your hiney out of bed so that you can pray. Therefore, you can now bring glory to God by abiding in him and in his word. I want to look at one more quote by George Mueller because it'll help us with a significant struggle that I would say most of us have. It's a long quote, so hang with me. The difference then between my former practice and my present one is this. Formerly, when I rose early in the morning, I began to pray as soon as possible and generally spent all my time till breakfast in prayer, or almost all the time. At all events, I almost invariably began with prayer. Let's see if you can identify with this next statement. But what was the result? I often spent a quarter of an hour, half an hour, even an hour on my knees before conscious to myself of having derived comfort, encouragement, humbling of soul, etc. And then, often, after having suffered much wandering of mind, does anybody know what that's all about? After having suffered much from wandering in mind for the first ten minutes or a quarter of an hour, even half an hour, I only then really began to pray. Unfortunately, most of us don't take enough time to get that far. But here's his answer. Here's his solution. Here's something that you can try. Mueller says, I scarcely ever suffer now this way. For my heart being nourished by the truth, being brought into experimental, or today we would say experiential, fellowship with God. I speak to my father and to my friend vile though I am and unworthy of it, about the things he has brought before me in his precious word. It often now astonished me. I did not sooner see this point. What he would do is he would open the word of God and he would start praying back the words of Scripture to God, seeing promises in there, seeing commands in there, and asking God to make this real in his life, make it real in the lives of his near ones. The point is this. Go to God in prayer. Use his word. Use the words of some Bible-believing, Christ-honoring songs that you know. But above all, plan. And above all that, set aside time to pray. Then pray. Ask God to wake you up or whatever else it is that you need so that you will actually pray. Get your favorite flavor of legal addictive stimulants and drink it while you pray. But whatever else you do, pray. Because when in doubt, you must pray. Now, Mark chapter 1 was not the only time that Jesus spent in prayer. We also seeing him do it in Mark 6, verse 46. After he had taken leave of them, he went up on the mountain to pray. And when evening came, oh, and he went up on the mountain to pray. We see in Mark 6, Jesus had fed the 5,000. Then, once again, squabbling Disciples. Then immediately before this verse, his relative John had been beheaded by Herod. Jesus is right now at mid-ministry. He's not yet quite heading to Jerusalem, but he pauses. He knows the rigors and the pains 
of service to others. And he takes a moment to be with his father. Notice again, solitude and silence. Jesus got away from others so that he could focus on his father, so that he could focus on prayer. He was tired. Too many words assaulting his ears. He needed a break to hear his father. He was tired. Too many pressures. He needed to press into his Abba, his father in heaven. What about you and me? Sometimes, and for some of us, we simply cannot get away from too many words assaulting our ears. We can't take time at this moment to have our eyes closed. Many of you may be like I once was. I didn't know that you were allowed to pray with your eyes open. I remember once as a new Christian, I was praying while I was driving, believing that I was sinning, while I was praying, because I had my eyes open. Man, I had some weird thoughts about God as a young Christian. But listen, the point of closing your eyes, the point of solitude and silence, is that you don't allow yourself to be distracted while you pray. Now, there are times when you aren't free to close up shop and head out into the woods. That's okay. Pray where you are. Create your own silence and solitude in your own mind. Pray where you are. Pray when you are. Pray with your eyes open. Pray. That's all God asks of you. You, right now, are in the middle of your life. You're in the middle of your day. But pray. Any time is the right time. So let us pray. And take time each day with your Father in heaven by yourself. Schedule it. Plan for it. Make undistracted seasons with your Abba a priority. And listen, God your Father has not left you without resources because He knows it's difficult for our prey for us to pray for numerous reasons. And because he knows this, he has left us with what has become known as spiritual disciplines. Spiritual disciplines are those things that you can do that help you train your mind and heart to focus on Jesus. You are distracted when you pray because you have been formed spiritually. Everyone has. What you and I and every mother's child needs is to be spiritually transformed. We need to be formed into Christ as Paul prays for the Galatians. Here's where the rubber meets the road. You and I are formed by whatever it is we focus on. Whatever it is that we focus on becomes the object of our affections. Our affections are those things that we love and those things that we hate. And so, spiritual disciplines like fasting, solitude, prayer, Bible study, and many others are those things that cause us to focus on that which is essential. They train us, they mold us, they form us to be the kind of people that can focus on that which is eternal, on that which is not necessarily of this world. 
by the way, my favorite author in this regard is Dallas Willard. Uh, lots on spiritual formation you can get from him. But as you do these activities, they become your mental habits, which is how and why, when in doubt, pray. You ever in doubt? You ever in uncertainty? Train your heart to pray. Prayer is spiritual exertion. It's hard work. Prayer is simply talking with God. True. However, you have an enemy and he wants you not to pray. So now, while you are somewhere in the middle of your ministry, in the middle of your service to those around you, you are not done yet. So, you need to exert yourself and you need help. So pray. Decide now. You will pray. But, 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 no. No buts. Start small. Pray through some passages in the Psalms, for example. Pray through the Psalms for people that you love. Work up your spiritual strength. Develop your praying muscles. But by all means, whatever you do, find your way to pray. Then we see at the very close of Jesus' ministry, Jesus knew it was time for him to go back to his father. He prayed to his father. In Mark 14, 32, they went to a place called Gethsemane. And he said to his disciples, sit here while I pray. At this moment in Jesus' life, the cross is tomorrow. This is the end. Drama, trauma, this is the end. The end of his service on earth. And Jesus knew that he needed to be alone to pray. You too are faced with crucial moments in your life. Big decisions, tests of your strength, perhaps health issues. Perhaps you might be ready to die. You and I must pray. There are and will ever be moments of agony during your sojourn on earth. Period. Get over it. It's true. And God saves His people through tribulation. And one of the primary means He uses to give us His presence, to give us His comfort in these times of tribulations is manifesting Himself to us as we pray. But let's be real with each other. These are moments of deafening silence. You know what I'm talking about. The ceiling above your bed seems as hard as iron. Jesus asked His Father to let this cup of wrath pass, be from, pass from Him. I don't think Jesus heard a reply. 
If there was a reply, that reply was evidently no. Ouch. When this happens to you, find someone to pray with you. Who do you have to pray with you? Who do you speak with about what is real? Who do you know who can hear all of your vinegar and still love you? If you don't have someone like that, you should. Pray. Ask your Father in Heaven to provide someone like that for you. Ask your Father in Heaven to give you the kind of heart that can do that for someone else. Lord willing, your spouse is that person, but not everyone has a spouse. Your family should be able to do anything for you, but your family cannot do everything for you. And not every family is in a position spiritually to do any of this. So, find a person of the same gender. Find a person who is thoroughly trustworthy. Find a person who is wise enough to listen and not to judge. In fact, find a person who is willing never to pass up a good opportunity to just keep their mouths shut. This, by the way, is a very good reason to be a regular attender at church or in your small group or whatever, whatever that form of church and small group looks like in this time of COVID. But lastly, I want you to notice what Jesus says in this verse. He says, sit here while I pray. The praying he was asking his disciples to do was not necessarily with him. They were on their own in prayer, and he was on his own in prayer. But it was for Jesus that they were praying. By the way, imagine praying for the Son of God. Let your mind be lost and that for a moment. And then pray. Do you realize that wherever and whenever you are, you can pray for someone else, especially your brothers and sisters in Christ? That is why when in doubt, pray. Sometimes it helps to give ourselves perspective. What does this look like in real life? In the late 1700s, there was a woman named Susanna. She had 19 children. Nine of them did not make it out of infancy. Susanna's husband would leave her for weeks or months at a time to care for the children and the home all by herself. One of her children was born crippled, and another of her children could not speak until she was six. If anyone had more than she could handle, it was Susanna. Every day, Susanna would take a moment and sit in her kitchen chair, and she would pull her apron over her head, to pray. 
Picture this. Children running around her, quite literally, I imagine. Chores had to be done. Have you ever seen an 18th century clothes washer? Socks needed to be mended. Dinner needed to be cooked. And she would pull her apron over her head and she would pray. And she taught her children to dare not interrupt her while she was before the throne of grace. Susanna Wesley had John and Charles Wesley as two of her children. I noted at the beginning of my sermon that silence and solitude are crucial to prayer. And I believe they were crucial to Susanna Wesley either. Notice that silence and solitude do not necessarily mean that the noise and children, I mean chaos, are not at the same time happening all around. Solitude and silence are found in the hearts of those who trust Jesus no matter where they are and no matter when they are. And this only happens when God's children have exerted ourselves to find that silence and solitude where it may be found even if that means putting an apron over our head in our kitchen with our children running around us. Here's the point. You too can find a place of silence and solitude. You too can set aside time that you're not occupied by your screen or you're not occupied by others' screams. So when in doubt, pray. The point is all of us can make time to pray. And this is not by any means something to make you feel guilty about. What this is, is an opportunity for you to consider that God is with you that God is for you. And if you ask Him, He will help you to pray. Lord Almighty, God, we are not equal. We know Your Spirit is. And Your Son died on the cross so that we would have the grace, the undeserved power of God to pray. Help us, Lord Jesus, to pray, to bring glory to you, to bring joy to our hearts and the hearts of those who are around us, and that we would bring growth in your kingdom. We would be your means of bringing growth in your kingdom. We love you, Jesus. Amen.